0: Welcome to The Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. I've known for a long time that C.S. Lewis was friends with Dorothy L. Sayers, the author of a wide range of books and essays, including The Lord Peter Whimsy Mysteries, The Mind of the Maker, and The Lost Tools of Learning. But I was never clear on the nature of their friendship. Gina Delfonso tells the story of that friendship in her new book, Dorothy and Jack. This is Gina's first book, but she has another book hot on its heels. The Gospel in Dickens releases next month. Gina Delfonso, thank you so much for being on the Habit podcast with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So you um, have written this book, Dorothy and Jack, about Dorothy Sayers and C.S. Lewis and their friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, their 15-year friendship, Right. Yes. Um, so I, I imagine my listeners are very familiar with C.S. Lewis, maybe a little less familiar with um, uh, Dorothy Sayers. Um, so could you just sort of give a quick overview of, of who Dorothy Sayers was and, and why we why we love her so much?
1: Sure. Well, she was a very multifaceted author. I mean, you can't pigeonhole her. She wrote a wonderful series of mystery novels and short stories that are right up there with Agatha Christie's. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would say better than Agatha Christie's. (laughs) Um, So she was one of the the golden age mystery novelists. Uh Uh, She also wrote some great theological essays. She was a playwright. Uh Uh, She translated Dante, The Divine Comedy. Mm Yeah. So she did a little of everything, <laughs> wrote a little right. of everything, and was just a fascinating person and author.
0: So she was born, uh, Lewis was born in 1898, and she was born about five years before that, right? Right. Um, and so she lived, so obviously they were contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're, but not exactly the same age, but close to the same age. And then she, I think, died in the 50s. Is that right?
1: Yes, I believe it was
0: 1957. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, And how did she and Lewis connect?
1: Well, she became a famous writer before he did. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when Lewis was just starting to get established as a name... Uh, She read something that he wrote and she wrote him a fan letter, which Uh unfortunately we don't have anymore. Uh, It it seems to, it appears to have been lost, but we know from things that they said later that she wrote later that she wrote him this fan letter and it was great. He loved it. (laughs) She was a, (laughs) she was a wonderful letter writer as he would Mm -hmm. later on, later tell her. And so he wrote back and they got this this, they established this connection. Um, she started to quote him in her writing and mm-hmm. s- they, they just really were liking and appreciating what each other had to offer. And mm-hmm. uh, fr- from this correspondence, um, eventually they, they got to meet in person and, and they got to be friends. But because they did live fairly far apart, uh, they did keep writing letters, which is a great boon to us because now we have the letters to read. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I remember um, somebody, I think it was um, uh, Flannery O'Connor, was talk- who was also a great letter writer, of course, but she used the phrase that somebody's, all their good stuff went up in talk, right? It, because they're <laughs> they with their friends, all the good stuff went up in talk instead of getting written in letters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if that was Flannery O'Connor, it sounded like something she would say
1: probably yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um and if if I, don't don't I remember from your book that Lewis said something like her letter was the the first time he got a fan letter from a from a famous person or something like that.
1: Right, right. Uh f- from from a notable uh name and and uh-huh. so it it was it was a pretty big deal for for him and um yeah, I wish we had the letter, <laughs> yeah, right. and unfortunately we don't. But but it meant a lot to him, which is why he he wrote back, and yeah. uh, things just went from there.
0: Yeah, of course he wrote back even to people that it didn't mean a lot to him, right? I mean yes. he was a very diligent correspondent. Yes, uh, was she as diligent in her correspondence? To did she answer all her fan letters the way Lewis did?
1: I don't know if she answered them all. She answered a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have her collected letters, which are unfortunately I think some of the volumes are out of print now uh but they are worth you know scrounging around on on the internet to find because they're great and and there's there's four volumes of them so she wrote she wrote to a lot of people and a lot of those were responses to to fan mail Uh um or to people who wrote to argue with her (laughs) uh Uh, just, just all that sort of thing yeah
0: okay now um you can correct me if I'm wrong, because um, everything I know about this relationship I know from your book, and and so yeah, um, so you would know better than I would here uh for c. s. Lewis, his what he was most excited about that she wrote were um were the plays, um remember me what the plays were called um, Yes, man would be king."
1: Uh, The Man Born to be King. Yes, she wrote, she she actually wrote these plays for radio. Uh, It was in the 40s. Mm -hmm. The war was still going on, if I remember correctly. And um, she was commissioned to write this series of plays on the life of Christ Mm -hmm. for uh, BBC Radio. And they were a big hit. Uh, uh-huh. She she did a wonderful job, and, and you can you can uh, read them in book form still. Uh, they're they're available out there. So uh, yeah, she she uh, had these these plays on the radio, and and uh, Lewis listened to them, loved them, mm-hmm. and uh, would keep reading them over and over again for the rest of his life. He they, they were some favorite uh, Lenten reading of his. Uh-huh. He read them during Holy Week.
0: Uh huh. Um, and you make the case that. That those those plays by um, Sayers possibly influenced the way that that C.S. Lewis uh, talked about uh, portrayed, I guess, Aslan. Um, yeah,
1: I right? I, it is. I, I will I will be upfront and concede that that's speculation on my part, but I think you can make a strong case for it because uh, her depiction of Jesus is. For that day and age, it's a very well-fleshed out, well-rounded depiction uh, because there had been a lot of restrictions prior to that on how you portrayed Jesus on stage or on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had to be like extremely careful about how you did it. But uh, the restrictions were, were lifted a bit. She was able to really make him... Uh, a fully human person in mm-hmm. adi- in addition of course to being the son of god and and she did such a great job and her her jesus is very strong very bracing i think that's a word she used herself and yet very uh-huh. compassionate all the all the things that we know jesus is but but she really brings this out in her plays and and i I think I think you could argue that Lewis was very influenced by that depiction because his Aslan, the the lion who who um, depicts Jesus, who is Jesus. <laughs> I never know quite oh, how right. to put that. For oh, right. some Lewis aficionado somewhere will will uh, yeah, right. correct me, but but we we know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and his Aslan has all of those those qualities: the sternness and the love and the compassion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I just, I just think that you could hardly read this depiction of Jesus over and over and over again every year Mm -hmm. and fail to be influenced by it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you, you say at one point that C.S. Lewis saw in Dorothy Sayers a gift that she didn't see herself. And I think maybe this was with respect to apologetics, maybe.
1: Yeah. Um. Sarah, it's really fascinating to study her, her apologetics, um, her work in that area. You could say she was dragged into it kicking and screaming almost. Mm-hmm. She, did not, she She was a very strong believer in, as we would put it today, staying in your lane and just doing the thing that you felt called to do. And she didn't particularly feel called to do this. And yet she sort of got pulled into it and Lewis was right there urging it along because he saw her as a wonderfully lucid and logical uh, explainer of the Christian faith. And he thought, you know, she, she ought to be out there doing this Mm -hmm. and she would sort of fight with him over it, but, (laughs) but she would, and yet she kept doing it. I have a quote here from the book, from her, from one of her letters that I absolutely love, and um, she she's talking to Lewis here about an atheist that she's corresponding with, mm-hmm. and she's not enjoying it at all. And she <laughs> says to Lewis, "You like souls, I don't. God is simply taking advantage of the fact that I can't stand intellectual chaos, and it isn't fair." So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she was so reluctant about this, and yet she, at the end of the day, she had to acknowledge. Um, you know, God is trying to get at me to get me to do something here. And Lewis was right there just sort of, you mm-hmm. know, saying, yes, you're good at this. You should do this. Even when she, you know, snapped at him, even when she mm-hmm. wasn't enjoying it, even when and she was like, you know, get me out of this. Yeah, <laughs> she, right. it, 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 she kept on going because she recognized God's call, and I think because Lewis was her friend that that knew she could do it and and nice. thought she should do it.
0: Yeah, that's that's so important. I mean, having people in your life who who kind of say, as you said, you can do this. <laughs> you know, you mm-hmm. um, you. It, it's it is hard to get enough distance from your own self to to see.
1: Mm-hmm
0: you know, where your gifts lie sometimes. Yeah. Um, and by the way, when she said, I don't, you like souls, I don't, was she, surely she was uh, uh, exaggerating or, or was that true? She didn't like people. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that's that's a good question. Um, and, you know, there are all all kinds of ways that you can take that. But I think, I tend to think she was referring to the whole process of evangelism and uh, and winning people over mm-hmm. and, and the rest of it, and that there was—I mean, there was a lot of that process that she just didn't feel suited for. That mm-hmm. she 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 had a hard time with it, and yet at the same time. When a soul came to Christ, she was glad about it and late, later in her life, she became friends with Barbara Reynolds, who would eventually become her, her biographer and she, her, her writing, Sarah's writing and her work helped Reynolds come to Christ. And when that happened, Sarah's was pretty pleased about it and she ended uh-huh. up uh, standing as Reynolds' godmother. Uh-huh. Uh, when she was baptized, so yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah, right. she she could be she could be pretty happy about that, <laughs> uh, but um yeah, she could also be when, when she was you know feeling dragged into work she didn 't want to do, she could also be kind of flippant and mm-hmm. uh, misanthropic about it, so you yeah. know we, we yeah, all right. have, we all have multiple sides and multiple feelings about things, yeah, and
0: it that whole debate between Sayers and Lewis on this topic mm-hmm. you you put in terms of, you use the phrase, um, they had different ideas with regard to their artistic conscience. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you mean when when you say, when you say that about their, uh, these, these two artistic consciences?
1: Uh, Yeah. Sarah's had very clear ideas about um, what that should mean and what it should look like. And she, she believed that you should do the thing that you felt called to do. Mm -hmm. And, stick to it because, because she believed that call came from God Mm -hmm. and that, that God was, God gave you the gift and the ability to do it. And she had a lot of problems with what happens when Christians think, oh, I can talk about that. I can talk about this. I can talk about whatever I want to from the Christian point of view, because I'm a Christian and that naturally equips me to do it and she had real problems with that and and there is something to be said on her side because sometimes she talked about bad christian art for example Mm -hmm. and she there's a wonderful quote uh from her one of her letters which i don't have in front of me but she talks about how for every person who feels comforted by a piece of bad christian art or, or literature or whatever there are more who are just sickened by it and think if christianity can produce something that bad mm-hmm. it must have a lie in its soul and so mm-hmm. she yeah. she saw a real danger there i mean she wasn't just being self-indulgent she, she saw she saw harm being done when mm-hmm. uh christians just um produced shoddy work and said it was for the sake of the gospel lewis um now, now you have to take into account that lewis was good at a lot of things. In, That's right, yeah, and had all a all lot of gifts, <laughs> just like <laughs> Sarahs did herself. Yeah. And um, Sarahs would complain sometimes that you know Lewis is all over the place. He, he's talking about this subject. He's talking about that subject. You know, mm-hmm. um, which which she was not. She was not a big fan of that mm-hmm. um, sort of way of working. Um, so Lewis would argue with her that. You know, if somebody asks, if you're a Christian and you're a writer, and somebody asks you to write on this particular subject, well, you probably ought to just, you know, put aside your artistic conscience and go and do it. And she mm-hmm. would, but she, she would argue with him that you can't just do that with everything. If somebody asks you to do because you're not always equipped in that area, and you might come up with something that's really bad and and really wrong and possibly damaging. So mm-hmm. they went back and forth over this, and. In a lot of ways, he, he recognized he he sort of acknowledged that she had a good point, and later on, in some of his works, you see him echoing what she said. Mm-hmm. He, he he would say things like, you know, I, I I quote I quote one of his essays somewhere where he says about Narnia, I didn't just you know, want to write a, a, a useful children's Christian book, I wanted to write a good book for children, and, and this is how, this is the shape it took, and this is the way I had to write it because this is the way it came to me. So, he's sort of echoing her, and he's sort uh-huh. of seeing her point. But it's it's a very complex topic, and yeah, there's a lot to go back and forth over with it, and they did that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the way and you know that you portray in in this book the way these two friends disagreed. You know they they went at it
2: mm-hmm.
0: a good bit, mm-hmm. and and how much they appreciated the fact that there was somebody in their life that they could you know that that was thoughtful enough to to really disagree with. You know, mm-hmm. and of course Lewis had that. It, the, the Inklings were you know would really go hammer and tongs at each other a good bit. Um, and i don 't know if, if sayers had any, anybody else in her life to to do that with or not but but um, i loved I love the way that you know th- this was our iron sharpening iron these two people who didn 't see everything the same way and yet seemed to love each other yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, all the more for that disagreement
1: right yeah um, Sayers had um, she had as many kinds of friends as she had <laughs> as she had uh, Gifts. <laughs> so, uh-huh. uh, she, like with some of her mysteries, she worked very closely with uh, her friend uh, Muriel Saint Claire Byrne, for example. Uh, their friendship went all the way back to their college days. That sounds and, like
0: you, that sounds like somebody said, make up the most British sounding name you possibly can.
1: Yes. <laughs> doesn't it though? Muriel St. Clair Byrne. <laughs> so, so she she was a, a close friend who, who worked with uh, Sarah's on some things related to her mysteries. Mm-hmm. And um, so she had friends that she could do that sort of thing with. Mm-hmm. And she had friends that she worked on other projects with. But as I mentioned somewhere in the book, she didn't have a lot of friends who were directly involved in apologetics and strangely Mm -hmm. enough lewis didn't either we tend to think of oh lewis had the inklings and they were all in all to each other but tolkien didn't do really didn't really do apologetics Mm -hmm. um uh, most of the other men in that group didn't do apologetics they were just like sort of sharing creative work for the for the the main part Mm -hmm. so here he was a creative writer who also did apologetics and Sarah's was sort of in the same boat. And so each of them found them sort of uniquely positioned among their respective friend groups. And that was what made it so nice that they, they had each other and they could reach out to each other and they could run things past each other and sort of maybe bellyache about the difficulties and, um, just really help each other to grow in that respect.
0: Yeah. By the way, do you know, uh, how often they saw each other in person? I mean, I know, you know, a lot of what you did was with their letters, but Mm -hmm. but how often did they actually sit in the same room together?
1: I don't think it was a lot. We don't have record. Our our records may not show like every meeting they had. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of letters saying, oh, I'd love to see you again. We haven't met in a long time. Mm -hmm. And then you have a few letters saying, let's meet at this time and place. And then, oh, it was nice seeing you again. All all that sort of thing. So we Mm -hmm. know that they met sometimes but it wasn't as often as they would have liked lewis was very busy uh Mm -hmm. in oxford and then later at cambridge uh sarah's was very busy um her husband was uh he he had some illnesses he was dealing with he became more and more of an invalid over the years uh so she he needed a lot of care and besides that she was very busy um with her own work and her own projects, so mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't get to get together very often. But uh, mm-hmm. when they did, it, it sounds like they had a great time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where did Sayers live?
1: Uh, she li- She was more out in the countryside,
0: mm-hmm. but not London though. She no, she wasn't in, in London.
1: Or... Uh, she had um, friends in London, and she would be there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And she would she had to travel a bit for work sometimes. But um, I believe. Okay, I think she lived in Essex. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's more countryside.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's that that passage in the Four Loves when Lewis is talking about friendship, and and he remarks that, um, in, I think he's talking about you know I've got I've got these various friends, and each friend brings something out in that in another friend that the other friends can't bring out. You know. Mm-hmm. what, what did, um, Lewis and Sayers bring out on each other that maybe other people didn't, didn't other friends didn't bring out?
1: That's a great question. And I think it actually sort of changed over time Mm -hmm. as they Mm -hmm. got to know each other better. Um, they started, I mean, theirs was a very intellectual friendship. Uh, so they, they started, you know, on a purely intellectual mm-hmm. slash theological footing uh but as as they got to know each other their personalities sort of came out more uh, lewis said her personality was like a high wind and he loved that mm-hmm. uh he, he yeah. loved somebody who who was just very boisterous and enthusiastic and in love with mm-hmm. life and could just like bowl you over and yeah, sarah's yeah. was very much that way yeah. and uh so so and he he had a a similar personality so so um you know they could really like let let that go with each other but yeah. over time and it's interesting you you see their friendship grow more personal and mm-hmm. you know both of them tended to think of and they would write about friendship as this affair of the mind you know mm-hmm. um say or lewis even went so far as to write you know you don't have to know all the personal things about your friend (laughs) you you just it doesn't matter you're just like two minds together and uh Mm. and they they both like that sort of friendship and yet they started to bring up more of the personal and the emotional aspects of each other When, when uh when lewis married joy davidman and uh when, when she was ill and when he was going through all this big emotional upheaval, he wrote to Sayers about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people often quote some of the beautiful things he wrote about joy. Mm-hmm. And most of those things he wrote to Sayers. He, he mm-hmm. wrote, you know, my, my heart is breaking and I've never been so happy before. He, he, mm-hmm. he wrote all these, these beautiful things about his marriage. And he told them to this friend of his who he, whom he had known for so many years now, and she was very uh sympathetic and encouraging N- not a lot of lewis's friends were really gung-ho about his marriage but but uh-huh. she was she was very positive and encouraging and she met joy and they got on really well and uh so he had this friendship supporting him in this which she, mm-hmm. i think he really needed mm-hmm. and um you know he he she, she was able to tell him some personal things about herself, too, some of the things that she had gone through that were hard. Yeah. And so that this friendship just developed so much over time, and it's really interesting to follow.
0: Um, he had so few women friends in the first place, it seemed like. At least yeah. that's the impression I, I get, from. If, unless there's friends I don't know about.
1: Yeah. Well, he he did develop some female friendships over time, and, and he learned a lot from them, too. Um, yeah. His friend Ruth Pitter, and, and I think... Uh, Sister Penelope, I think, was, was oh, the yeah. name of the Anglican nun that he got to be friends with,
0: yeah. and
1: and um, the great thing about these friendships was that uh, Lewis, I mean, he could he could be a very boisterous and argumentative personality, mm-hmm. but he he could also be very humble mm-hmm. and very willing to listen. And his female friends, including Sayers, would sometimes tell him things about, you know, what it was like to be a woman that he didn't know and yeah. learned from. And and he would say to Sayers, you know, what you told me about this, I never thought of it that way before, but yes, you have a good point. And, mm-hmm. and so he would listen, he would absorb, he would learn. And... Uh, she she did a lot for him in that respect.
0: Yeah, that's neat because he went from being a motherless boy to going to all boy boarding schools to the military to, you know.
1: Yeah, to being yeah, and a bachelor and, 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 you know. and Sarahs would sometimes you know, t- say to her other friends, you know, he he has been, he has lived in such a male oriented world he doesn't get women at all, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and yet she she was very patient with him and mm. she she. uh looked at his good side and, and mm. she, you know, she encouraged him to learn and he was willing to learn. And, and that, that's a great thing in a friendship, you know, yeah. when, when, when people have things that they or have blind spots or blank spots, and your friend is willing to just sort of walk alongside you and, and help you see things you hadn't seen before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk uh, uh, briefly about, the distinction that you that you mentioned between influence and encouragement, mm-hmm. and I think you were I think you were quoting Diane Glier, who was a, a guest earlier on this podcast, um, when she was talk- I guess um, the way Tolkien talked about their literary friendship was that it, it was more it wasn't a matter of influence, but a matter of encouragement, mm-hmm. and then. Glier and or you pointed out that he didn't necessarily say that those were mutually exclusive, right? That, that mm-hmm. encouragement is a kind of influence.
1: Right, uh, right. I, I I think it is because uh, all of these people, uh, Sayers and Lewis and also Tolkien and the other Inklings, they all had such strong and distinctive personalities and voices. Yeah. And so, you know, Lewis famously said, uh, you, you couldn't influence Tolkien. You might as well try to influence a bandersnatch. (laughs) And, and I don't think any of them really saw themselves like rubbing off on each other or anything like that. But encouragement, yes, is a kind of influence because uh, we've already seen, for instance, how, how Lewis's encouragement maybe, uh, helped Sarah's develop her, her voice and apologetics. Um, and her, and she helped him to, to become aware of some things that he hadn't been aware of before. And so the, the presence of somebody who sees your good points and who pushes you to develop yourself more and more, uh, that, that's, that really can be a, a very strong kind of influence.
0: Yeah. All right, this is a shot in the dark. There may not be a good answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there a work... <laughs> Is, is there a Sayers work that you think wouldn't have existed if it weren't for Lewis's influence?
1: Mm. That's
0: a good... I'm, I'm sorry, not influence. Encouragement was the word I meant to use.
1: A Sayers work that wouldn't have.
0: And then we'll flip-flop it. <laughs> oh,
1: that's a really good question. Um, I'm thinking through like, her, her essays and so forth uh I don't know about that because as i've as I've already said she was a very uh driven writer who sort of mm-hmm. knew exactly what she wanted to write and who wrote it mm-hmm. and i don't I don't know if we can say that what that that there was something that wouldn't exist with without him what we can say. Is that with with works that she was working on, he helped her to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, her her Dante translation, you know, she had she had really counted on support from Charles Williams, who died, mm-hmm. and. So she she was without that support. But Lewis really supported and encouraged and praised her in that. And, and, and sometimes argued with her translation, but also kept praising and encouraging. <laughs> and uh, her, her translation of the Song of Roland, uh, a, a French poem, uh, he gave her a lot of encouragement and praise uh, with that, and she appreciated it a lot. So, um, yeah, I, there were... Perhaps there were works that I don't even well. I don't even know if I could say that there were works that wouldn't have been finished without him because she just mm-hmm. had so much drive. Yeah. But I do know that there are works that he helped her with mm-hmm. that she was very very appreciative of.
0: Yeah. So the other way around, do you, are, are there works that that Lewis might not have finished or might have, might not have been as good if it hadn't been for her encouragement? And-
1: well, I think the seed for the book that became Miracles uh, uh-huh. came from her. Uh, yeah. she, she said, uh, you really ought to write a book on miracles <laughs> in so many words. She just said yeah. it. And so he, he wrote back and told her he was working on one. It, it's not quite clear whether he started working on it because she said that or whether he had already started it. But in any event, mm-hmm. uh, he took her encouragement and ran with it. So yeah. there is that one. Um, yeah. Good. to Mine first.
0: Love it, um, you know. Friendship is such an incredibly um, powerful creative force.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I mean, the, the the these things we've been talking about are, um, um, you know, we, we talk about sometimes people talk about literary friendships, um, and even, but even friendships that aren't specifically literary. You know, I, I think they're they're so so generative of of creativity. You know. Yeah. Um, and I, love, I love the way you, you point that out and, and draw that out mm-hmm. in Dorothy and Jack. Um, you told me something right before we started, but I didn't know. And that is that you've got another book coming out. So this yeah. book is coming out in August. Um, we're recording this in July, but by the time this episode airs, that your book will have come out, the Dorothy and Jack will have come out. Mm-hmm. But tell me about your book that you've got coming out in September.
1: Uh, well, that is called uh, the Gospel in Dickens, and it's coming out September twenty second from Plough Publishing. Mm-hmm. And they have this series called the Gospel in Great Writers, so it, it includes that. There's actually uh, Sayers actually has an entry there, the Gospel oh, yeah. on Dorothy L. Sayers. They also have uh, Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, um, a number of other great writers. And so I got in touch with them and said, because I've, I've had this long-standing interest in Charles Dickens, and mm-hmm. uh, I got in touch with them and said, would you like the Gospel in Dickens? And they were very enthusiastic. So mm-hmm. yes, that comes out in September. And I hadn't planned for these two books to come out, so yeah. both together, it just sort of happened. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's... it's um, it's largely, largely made up of some excerpts from his work that just sort of show how he engaged with faith and with the big questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some, some commentary and some notes by me. Mm-hmm. And the foreword is by Karen Swallow Prior, uh-huh. uh, who uh, I think you're familiar with, who mm-hmm. is an amazing writer and scholar, and was uh, so wonderful to to take the time to do that for me. So she and, and she's also a big Dickens fan. So yeah. uh, she she wrote this great foreword, and uh, yeah, so it, it it just it just came about that. I mean, these are my three favorite writers, Sayers, mm-hmm. Lewis, and Dickens, and it just sort of came about that I got to publish books about all three of them in the yeah, same year. In a month, so yeah. that, that was interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, here's a, here's a question for you. What's so great about Dickens?
1: Oh, my gosh, we're start? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, one thing, I, a thing I really love about him is just that, he loves words. He plays with words. He has fun with words. And we are not always equipped for that in this day and age. A lot mm-hmm. of readers say, you know, they struggle because he's so wordy, you know, yeah. that they 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 have difficulty. They're like, why does he have to be this way? And, and but if you can just, I, I think if you could just really try, try him and get into him, um, you can often just find yourself getting swept away because, uh, I mean, he obviously has like these really great memorable characters. He has these fantastic convoluted plots, but at bottom, he just has so much fun with words (laughs) and I've always loved words. It's it's Uh always been a thing for me ever since I was little. So I guess I was just in the right mental place when I first discovered him to to, to appreciate that.
0: There, uh, There's so much abundance in um, Dickens. That's
1: a great word for it. Yeah,
0: and and I feel like you've you've sort of got to surrender to it and say, you know what, Um, I'm just like I, I wouldn't want to assign a Dickens book to a to a class to read because when you're in a hurry, it's just frustrating. That, but but when you have time to kind of just surrender to it and say, you know what, wherever you want to go. I'll go.
1: That's right. Um, you, you, have to, you have to just sort of jump on and go along for the ride. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure you've heard this, um, this little formulation before, but uh, somebody, I don't know who it was, said that in, in the world we live in, there's a bunch of animals and very few giraffes. Mm-hmm. And in Dickens, everybody's a giraffe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's everybody's well, that I, extreme that that's well put because yeah, he, he just, he, he just, it was the way he saw the world. His, his, um, he, he saw these characters and he exaggerated them and he did all kinds of crazy things with them and he Mm -hmm. he just made them so interesting and and memorable. And, um, yeah, to, to tie this back to the other book, both Sayers and Lewis, uh, were very fond of Dickens. Um, mm-hmm. They enjoyed reading him. Sarahs had some um, some critiques of some of his characterizations, but uh, she also just enjoyed him and mm-hmm. quotes from him a lot in her own writing. And, yeah. and I believe Lewis did the same. Yeah.
0: Um, what is the when somebody's wanting to get started in Dickens? Do you direct them where where to where do What's a good place for someone who doesn't hasn't either hasn't read Dickens or hasn't learned to love Dickens? Where's where's a good Dickens to start?
1: Well, probably either Great Expectations or A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. I mean, it helps that they're among the shorter works because some of his novels are very long. Um, And they are just, I think it they're probably the easiest to get into in a lot of ways you sometimes you hear kids in high school say you know i was forced to read great expectations and i just hated it well i i was the opposite i i was i was made to read great expectations in ninth grade and i loved it so <laughs> so i've always found that hard to relate to but but i think if you if you um Like, if you're at the point where you feel mentally ready for a little bit of a challenge, you're like, okay, I think I'll try this. And again, if you're willing to jump in and just surrender yourself Mm -hmm. to the style and and the situations and the characters, you can end up with a lifelong love of Dickens. If you want to start with one of the the great big books, probably David Copperfield is Mm -hmm. the one to get into, because it's just... It's it's just such a a lovely coming-of-age story. It has things in it that that are timeless, that lots of people can relate to. Um, And you feel for him, you root for him, and you can... I, I think that's one of the easier ones to sort of get sucked into.
0: Yeah, I I recently listened to that one again. I, you know, I, it was mm-hmm. one of the first Dickens I read a long time ago. But then I listened to it on audiobook, and I just cried and cried. It was, it was mm-hmm. such it's such a beautiful book. I just love it. I love Dickens, so I'm glad you're doing that.
1: Oh, you.
0: Um, and I, I I love Pickwick Papers. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's not one of the more you know popular ones, but um, I was recently rereading Pickwick Papers and real and kept seeing things that had trickled into my own storytelling in the books I've written and. You know, there was this sort of, the leaf mold of the mind, as Tolkien said, these things that went in, and I didn't even know they were going in there, and then they came mm. out again later. Yeah. You know, when I, when I wrote my, uh, my swampy fiction stories, I hadn't read, um, it had been, you know, 15 years since I'd read Pickwick Papers, but it was all there somehow. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's remarkable. All
0: right, so the last question I always end with is, who are the writers who make you want to write, Gina?
1: mm well, I've just named my three favorites. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, where 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 to go from there? Uh, they they of course they they make me want to write. Um, somebody else, and this is funny because this is actually a name that came up when we were talking before before we started. Is Dorothy Parker, mm-hmm. uh, who I was telling you I discovered it around the same time as Dorothy L. Sayers in college, um, and she is. So witty and so mm-hmm. just so funny, so open, so vulnerable. I mean, we think of her as sort of this this woman with a barbed quill in her hand, yeah. you know, writing these poison pen yeah. types of essays. And yeah. she could she could be very sarcastic and very cutting, but mm-hmm. she could also, if she loved something, she could mm-hmm. also she could get really gushy about it, which which is fun. She <laughs> that's just- funny, you know, because
0: what usually gets anthologized is the Barbie stuff, you know. Like, yeah. The, the sweet stuff doesn't make it into the anthology yeah either.
1: but but th- there were lots of sides to her and and she's just very vulnerable and and, and she can be very open um, when I first discovered her in college I tried writing an essay for a class um, in imitation of her her uh, her short piece the waltz which you may remember yeah. mm-hmm. Um I don't remember my essay very well it was probably terrible <laughs> but but it was just such fun to try to do that and, and yeah. I keep coming back to her just as someone who um who could she she really could put herself out there that that's something that not not everybody remembers about her but yeah. but she can she can just say you know this she she wrote a lot of reviews stage reviews mm-hmm. and book reviews and so forth that she could say you know this this just really affected me personally because of this or this just you know hit my sweet spot or or mm-hmm. this this made me laugh because of that and mm-hmm. she could she could put herself into her writing and yet not in an obnoxious way <laughs> that's a <Yeah>. difficult <laughs> trick to learn yeah. uh you you don't want i mean you do not want to make it all about you and yet, if you can put just enough of yourself in it, you can you can establish this real bond with your readers that keeps them yeah. coming back. So that that's a yeah. that's a, a good trick to learn, and, and uh, yeah. I've, I've learned it for a long time.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I really do think of her as being sarcastic. I mean, hilarious, but but sarcastic yeah. and a little mean all the time. And
1: yeah, she she, she
0: had the poo for crying out loud. You know who had <laughs> Winnie the Pooh? Um. Well, great. Well, Gina, thank you so much. Gina D'Alfonso, uh, I love your book, and we didn't, I mean, there's so many interesting things we didn't get didn't get into, because I was trying to sort of stay on the, the, the writerly side of things, but, but so many interesting details about the personal lives of, of Dorothy L. Sayers and C.S. Lewis. So, um, so thank you for writing it, and uh, I hope a lot of people read it.
1: Thank you so much.
2: The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout-out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song, Too Good, as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs.
0: The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast
2: was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com and to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.